children's message. So if you're a child and you're here today, we want you to come up here for a special message just for you. All right. Hey, guys, how's it going? Here, I'll move this out of the way so you can stay on the steps because they're going to put the big pulpit right behind you. Come down here. There you go. All right. Y'all doing okay today? It's so excited to have you here. You know, we got, we've got a new baby in this church. Did you know that a baby was born this week? What's that baby's name? Akiva. Akiva was born this week. So we're so excited. Are you excited to have a baby brother in the house? Yeah. That's awesome. So well, excited. you're so excited. Me too. I'm excited for you. So we're going to talk today about what it means to be connected with God. That's kind of what the message is about. So I brought this today. Um, any of you guys know, happen to know what this thing is? Yeah. It is a phone, but, you know, it's got a longer name. Well, yeah, yeah. But what kind of phone? Like, so let me tell you, I grew up with a phone that was attached to the wall. We had one phone. It was on the wall. And you know how we dialed that phone? This, yeah. Like, have you ever seen one of those? Have you ever used one? You never even used one. What do you think about that, guys? You, Violet's never even used one of those phones. But there's one of them in the hospitality. Oh, a toy? Yeah, a toy one, yeah. So it had a big, long cord, so if you wanted to talk to somebody, uh, you know, privately, you had to go into another room, and a big cord followed you all the way into the other room. So that was a, a telephone. This one is, uh, is a, a cell phone, right? So you can take this anywhere. There's no cords, right? Now, I want to call somebody or text someone on this phone, but I got a problem here. So, Violet, you seem to know a lot about cell phones. Why can't I call anybody on this phone? What's happening? Okay, password. I can do that. So I got to open it. Good. Okay, there's the password. Now, I don't think it's going to work. Can you see anything on there that would say why it's not working? Yeah, but I tried. It, what's in the corners? Can you look in the corners? Oh, it's about to die. Okay. Oh, oh, it's about to die. So I need to plug it in, or the call won't go. Oh, it's on airplane mode. Air. What is airplane mode? Does anybody know? You know what is it, Oliver? It only works on airplanes. Oh, it only works on the airplanes. That's funny. It it makes it so it can work on the airplanes. Yeah. It's like when you're traveling and you don't have internet. Yeah. So if you put it on airplane mode, it's for you to do when you go on an airplane. When, it's not, when you're not allowed to use your cell phone to make phone calls. So it, cut, it disconnects your cell phone from the cell towers. So if I were to try and make a call right now, it wouldn't work. And it would probably die. So there's two things I need to do to make this phone work. One is, what did Violet say? I need to connect it to one of those white boxes in the wall. Those are outlets, right? So if I plug this in there and this in the phone, what happens? It magically fills up with electricity, and then it, it works better. And then if I were to take it off airplane mode, I would connect to cell towers. Mr. Dwayne knows all about that. That's what he does for a living. Uh, he could have came up and helped us. So if I didn't know how to use his phone, he could probably come help us. Oh, they're giving you a hand up here? Perfect. So I would need to connect with two things, power and cell towers. So do you guys ever feel lonely? Yes. Yeah. You know, a lot of people in this world feel lonely. It's okay to feel lonely. But you know that Jesus, he doesn't want you to feel lonely. And you know, Jesus did something about that. Sometimes we feel lonely because we're disconnected from God. 
And just like we had to connect this phone to make it work, we need to connect with Jesus. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to turn from our sin and place our faith in Jesus and connect with him. And then, you know, once we do that, you know what he does? He connects us with who? God. And so we need to repent of sin and place our faith in Jesus and get reconnected with God. And then after we do that, you know what else we need to do? Just like we had to do two things to make this phone work, we got to connect with all these people out here. Who's out there? Who's out there? Uh, no, I mean all the people. Other Christians, right? The church. So we got to connect with Jesus and connect with the church, and that helps us be connected with God, okay? So the word today is connect, all right? Can you say that word? Connect. connect. All right, so count how many times I say that today, and you all can go sit down. And I appreciate you helping me out today. All right, church, take your Bibles out with me if you would and open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have Bibles there in the pew. We'll also have the, the scripture um, on the screens up there for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We learned a lot about ourselves during the pandemic, didn't we? The pandemic brought out a lot of things in society, in our hearts. What's interesting is many of the things that we learned during the pandemic are things that the Word of God told us about well before the pandemic ever happened. And one thing we learned and one thing the Bible teaches us is that humans need other people. We need other people. God created us for fellowship. For better or worse, God created us to be socially connected with people. Lockdowns and school closures and event cancellations, the closing of nursing homes to visiting family and friends demonstrated that we need healthy relationships with other people to be healthy people. We were made to be with people. Ironically, we live in one of the most socially connected cultures ever in the history of the world. But people are still socially disconnected. Surveys by Barna Research, Harvard Research, and many other firms indicate that roughly one-third of Americans are lonely. And that was true before the pandemic, and it was higher during the pandemic, and it's increasing now after the pandemic. Loneliness is a real problem in America. Senior adults are lonely. Mothers with houses full of children are lonely. College students are lonely. And the percentage of people who say they feel socially disconnected and lonely is rising. That leads me to ask the common question most kids like to ask, why? Why is this happening? How is it possible to be lonely today when we're surrounded by instant social connections. We have a telephone. We have texting. We have social media. We have video chat platforms. You can see your friends and family instantly anytime you want if they're available. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Specifically, we will see what the Word of God has to say to answer this question. How do I live like Jesus in a socially disconnected world? How do I overcome my feelings of loneliness and help others do the same? 
So the first thing we need to do, we're going to look to the Word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the first thing we learn in answering that question, how do I overcome my feelings of loneliness? How do I live like Jesus in a socially disconnected world? And the answer first is this. We need some spiritual engineering. We need some spiritual engineering. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Well, what does it mean for a person to be in Christ? Someone who is in Christ is a Christian. They're a follower of Jesus. A Christian is a person who's repented of their sins and placed their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. A Christian is someone who recognized that he or she missed the mark. That their sin separates them from God. And that they can't do anything about it. And, and that compels every believer to do two things. To first place their faith in Jesus as the one who died on the cross for our sins. Who received God's wrath as a payment. To follow Jesus as Lord or the boss of their life. So those who are Christians have done those things. When someone is in Christ or when someone is a Christian... This text says that they are a new creature. This is spiritual engineering. To be a new creature. Specifically, it says that a Christian is a new creation. And this radically changes our lives in several ways. First, through Christ, we are changed by God into someone new. In John chapter 3, I talk about this passage often. A religious leader, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night. He was very interested in what Jesus was teaching, what Jesus was doing. And, and he came to Jesus and said, we know that you have been sent here by God. He was recognized that Jesus had some kind of spiritual authority. But he was still trying to figure out who Jesus was and, and what Jesus really came to do. And, and so Jesus sort of abruptly turns to Nicodemus and says, unless you're born again, you, you won't see the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again to be a part of God's kingdom. So we know that we need to be born again to be a believer, to be a follower of Jesus. And what Jesus tells us in this particular passage in verse 17 is that he provided the way for us to be born again. He provides the way for us to be a new creation, a new person. So I've got good news for you today. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter what you did last night or what you did last week. You can be born again today in this moment if you're not yet a Christian. Jesus is willing to receive you into the kingdom of God. Jesus is ready to change your life. When we become a believer, a new creation, when we're born again, how does this affect me? How does it change me? Well, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so through Christ. We are a new creation. Second, through Christ, 
we see the world differently. You know, before Jesus makes us into a new creation, before we are born again, the Bible says that we are blind to the truth of this world. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So before Christ, before we're a new creature, we are blind to the truth, to the realities, the spiritual realities of this world. But like the blind man who had an interaction with Jesus, who was healed of his blindness, and as he stood in front of the Pharisees and they lectured him about how he was healed, he turned to them and said, I don't know everything that you're asking about Jesus, but this I know. I used to be blind, and now I can see. And so you as a born-again believer used to be blind to the truths of God, but now you see. When we become a new creation through Jesus, a veil is lifted from our eyes, and we can see the world for what it is, God's creation. Not a series of random accidental events, but something God intended to create through Jesus. We can see God's work. We can see God's purpose for our lives and God's plan for the future. Through Christ, number three, we become adopted into a new spiritual family, the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says this, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Now you are Christ's body the church. You're part of both a local body of believers right here at Fifth Street Baptist Church, and you're part of the universally, universal body of believers all around the world. Every person in this world, on this planet, who professes faith in Jesus Christ is part of our family. We're the local representation of Christ here in Key West. Simultaneously, right now, all around the world, people are worshiping God, and they're a part of God's family. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 22 explains it this way. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I am so glad that COVID-19, that this pandemic is over. Amen? And, and during COVID-19, we learned two very, very important things about ourselves. Number one, as a people, humanity, and especially Americans, are desperately afraid that we're going to run out of toilet paper. I don't know where that came from. But the way we responded during COVID to first and foremost, go buy up all the toilet paper, is pretty phenomenal. There was still bottled water. There was still food on the shelves. There was not a single square of toilet paper to be found in this town. Someday, a sociologist is going to do a, a, a project on that, and I can't wait to read it. So we learned that about ourselves. Secondly, and more importantly, 
we learn that we need other people in our lives. Through Jesus, Christians are a part of a family who loves them, provides for them, journeys with them through life. Do y'all want to be a part of something like that? Because that's God's design for all people to be a part of the family of God. Not to be disconnected from him or from other believers. And that's why he sent Christ. So we could be adopted into his family. Number four, through Christ, we have a new home in heaven. Amen? A new home in heaven. Christians are a new creation and God takes us home to be with him in heaven when we die. Hebrews 13, 14 says, For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. First, for a limited time, for a season, we find our home in heaven with the Lord Jesus and God. And then at the end of this season, at the end of time, when the new heaven and the new earth are recreated, we'll spend eternity with God and the Lord Jesus forever. And and you and I, all of us, will be in that place forever. And so we're here now, but this isn't a lasting city. This isn't all there is. This is just a, a, a time, a season for God to do the work. And then one day we'll go to be with him in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and so we long for Jesus to return. Amen? And we long for our home in heaven. When someone becomes a Christian, they are a new creature, and consequently, their old life passes away. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, The old things passed away, Behold, new things have come. The old, or the Christian's old way of life ends. It passes away. It's over and done with. It is no more. Some of you in here today need to hear this. Some of you are maybe young believers, or maybe you strayed from God's path of righteousness for your life, and, and you're ashamed. And you need to remember this promise from God that when you turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus, when you repent of that sin as a believer in Christ, that that God forgives that sin and that the old you is dead and gone. And when the enemy comes to remind you of your mistakes in the past, you tell the enemy, you tell your flesh that my sin's been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. I no longer live that life. I'm here to serve Jesus. The best part of all this is that God no longer holds you accountable for your past. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Sinner, forgiveness waits at the throne of Jesus Christ. And he desires to give you grace. And if only the repentant sinner would come to him and ask for forgiveness He is ready to provide it for you. Now, unfortunately, not everything changes in us immediately, right? You have that moment in your life when you turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus and you were born again, you were made into a new creature, you still have some old habits, you still have old thought patterns, you still have uh, old activities that you were involved in and and Jesus is going to work in your life to break you of those old habits, to sanctify you, to make you more holy, to disciple you as you follow Jesus. 
But over time, God will do that, and he promises to do that in your life, both through your walk with him personally, individually, and also through your fellowship and discipleship in the local church. And that's why you need to be here with us, because that's what we do for each other. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. What does that mean? That means your heart softens to the Lord and his direction and the movement of the Holy Spirit. No longer are you blind to the truths of God. Now the Holy Spirit indwells you as a new believer. Now you understand his word, maybe not all of it, But as you read and study and pray, the Word of God opens up the truth of this book to you and shows you the path that God desires for you to walk. I can tell you one of the greatest honors I have in serving as your pastor in this church is watching you all grow in your walk with Jesus. Seeing God take that brand new believer and turn that man or that woman into a fully devoted follower of Christ both loving and and praying and and worshiping him, serving in his church, discovering gifts and talents, giving God glory, and seeing you all do that has been amazing. We've had the opportunity in this church to see whole families come to Christ. And it's so exciting to see God at work in your lives. And that's his intention for your lives. You know, like, I think it was like two years ago, um, uh, I think it was a sailboat hit uh, up in one of the keys up to the, the, north, the northeast up there, hit the line that brings our internet down to Key West. Y'all remember that day when that happened? So like that, the internet didn't just go out. All the cell phones went out. No internet, no cell phones. I remember waking up that day and, you know, I, I woke up and I'm like, oh, the internet's out. The internet happens to go out at my house like weekly, regularly. So I thought, oh, it must be windy. And, and then I went to the cell phone. It was like a weird picture on the cell phone, like no bars, nothing, like an X. I'm like, uh, okay. So there's no internet. There's no cell phones. I checked the power. We had power. And then I looked outside to see if, you know, the world was ending. It was crazy. I actually had to go get one of my crank radios for the hurricane and like crank it up, you know, and like turn it on and listen to the local radio station, which was still working. And I heard that, you know, I figured out what happened. But it was funny how like when the cell phone went down and the internet went down, there's no TV because everything's connected via internet now. Just all the connection that we had to the outside world was gone. We don't have a phone that you dial like on a landline. That was it. We were disconnected. And and I remember how, how I felt. Like, I was kind of like, felt like I was on an island. I, I was alone. Like, oh, I'm actually, I go outside and walk somewhere to talk to somebody now or get in my car. The sad truth is, is a lot of the world lives that way right now. Most of the world is disconnected from God. And some of you right now, maybe you're believers, but you feel disconnected as well and, and lonely and and. The first point of this message is is just this. We need to reconnect with God. If we want to overcome that feeling of social disconnection and loneliness, we need to first connect with the one who created us. You were hardwired by God to walk with him. That's what you were designed to do. 
And so step number one in this world is for us to connect with God through Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who spiritually re-engineers our hearts to connect with God. And so first and foremost, we need to be born again through Jesus Christ. How does Jesus do that? Like, how does that actually happen? Well, let's look at the next text. We're, we're going to learn that, that Jesus reconciles us with the Father. Look at verse 18. It says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So let me handle this in just like three parts here. First, look at verse 18. All these things are from God. Salvation is a gift from God. Maybe you need to hear this today. You don't need to earn God's salvation. There's nothing that you're going to do to make God love you any more, any less. God loves you, and he demonstrated his love for you by sending Jesus to die on the cross. It's a gift from God. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ— by grace, you have been saved. A wage is something you earn. A gift is something that's given to you by grace. Salvation in Jesus is a gift from God. Now, what did God do in this gift? Look at verse 18. 18. Reconcile, God reconciled us to himself through Christ. Jesus reconciled us to God. That's what Jesus does. Romans 5.10 says, For if we, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The truth is that we're all in the same boat, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have the same problem, our sin, which has disconnected us from a loving and holy God. That God loved us and gave us the gift of Jesus. Now, Jesus died on the cross and, and, and he, and he uh, uh, shed his blood as a penalty for our sin. So that blood was shed as an atonement or a covering for your sin. And while on that cross, he received God's wrath for our sin. And so he died and he was buried in the ground and then he rose again on the third day. Right? He conquered death and sin and Satan's power over humanity. And so now every sinner who turns from their sin and places their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the one who died for us on the cross, and the leader or Lord of our life, will be forgiven by God. We're reconciled with God. That once broken relationship is restored by Jesus. The reconciliation that Jesus secured on our behalf created more than just a friendly relationship between us and God. It, it saved us from God's wrath for our sins. It adopted us into the family of God. We now have an inheritance, and it provided a place for us to go when we die in heaven. I can't think of anything more difficult for a mom and a dad to go through. You know, if I was going to think of some of the top things, that uh, pains that mom and dad's, have, it's to walk with a son or a daughter through addiction. I don't know if any of you have ever walked through that yourself or been a parent or a grandparent. 
Um, I've, I've ministered to families, moms and dads, that had a son or a daughter that was addicted to all kinds of really horrible uh, drugs. And one thing that I see in those relationships that, that's amazing, especially among Christian moms and dads, the, the absolute and total love they have for that child going through that addiction. A willingness to welcome that child you know, back into the home after they just stole many of their possessions to sell them for drugs. Or going down to the jail to bail them out for the 10th time. Sacrificing money and resources and time to do what they can to rescue that person who's caught up in that addiction. And then what, what's amazing about that is while the mom and the dad do that, simultaneously you have the child who's addicted to drugs turn and, and tell that parent that they hate them, that they wish they weren't a part of their life, and then to, to turn around and, and when they're gone, go back and steal more because they're under the control of those drugs. When we look at what God's done for us on our behalf on the cross through Jesus, the truth is, we're that child. We're the addicted child. We might not be addicted to drugs, but we're addicted to sin. And while we were still enemies of God's, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. So while we were still addicted to and living a life of sin, God said, I love you. And I'm not going to let you live in that pit of sin that leads to destruction. And he sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. That's how Jesus reconciled us with the Father. Look at verse 19. It says, He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Translation, we got a job to do. We as recipients of this amazing gift are called by God to tell other people about the experience we've had in Jesus. We shouldn't take the, the grace and mercy and, and good news that someone else shared with us and, and hoard it for ourselves like toilet paper in COVID, right? God's given us an amazing gift. And you know what? There's room in heaven for everybody. God is ready and willing to receive all repentant sinners into the family of God. And we are called, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What does that mean? He's committed to us this calling to go out into this place and to tell other people how they can be reconciled with God. Through Jesus. Finally, how do we live in this disconnected world where, where people are lonely and socially disconnected? What are we supposed to do with our lives? Well, Paul answers this in the last two verses. Look at verse 20. He says, Therefore, therefore, as born-again believers who have been made into a new creation by Jesus, therefore, as men and women of God who have been reconciled with our Father in heaven, therefore, as folks that agree that will go out from this place and share the word of reconciliation and tell people how they too can follow Jesus. Therefore, verse 20, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The text says there that we're ambassadors for God. Now, ambassador does two things. The ambassador lives in a way that properly represents his ruler. So we send, as Americans, we send ambassadors all over the world. When an ambassador goes into a a circumstance, that ambassador represents the United States of America. He or she, when they speak, speaks on behalf of us. They represent us wherever they are. We are ambassadors for the Father in heaven. Now, an ambassador should do two things. The ambassador lives in a way that properly represents his ruler. If an ambassador goes into a foreign country, breaks laws, behaves inappropriately, and, and, and stains uh, the integrity of the United States, that ambassador is probably not going to have a job very long. We as ambassadors here on this earth, right? Because this isn't our home, right? We're in a, a, a foreign place because we're citizens of heaven and that's where we belong. For now, God chose to leave us here as specially appointed ambassadors for him. And so first and foremost, we live in a way that, that reflects God's grace and glory and the word of God. We live in a way that pleases him and that rightly reflects that we're God's ambassadors. And then second, we speak for the ruler. Now, we don't speak the Test one, two. There it is. So we live for God and re- properly reflect him. And then we also speak God's word from his word. What's our message? The gospel. God loves you. God wants you to be in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So how do I live like Jesus in a socially disconnected world. Well, we do that in two ways. As our word, our scripture has told us this morning, first, you need to connect with Jesus. You need to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus will make you into a new creation. Jesus will restore your broken relationship with God the Father. And Jesus will give you and adopt you into God's family. If you're not connected with Jesus yet, we're going to have a time of invitation when you can come forward and I can show you how to do that. If you're a follower of Christ, but maybe you've disconnected from him, maybe you've kind of wandered away from that path, maybe you're not yet following Jesus the way you know you're supposed to, you need to rededicate your life to him. And then you need to connect with God's church We were created and designed by God to fellowship with other believers. And so it's so awesome that I know I'm preaching to the choir. Y'all are here today. That's awesome. Stay here. Keep coming back. Find ways to get involved here at Fifth Street. That's really the way that God designed you to live. And and that's where you're going to find fellowship. And that's how you're going to overcome loneliness and the social disconnection that comes in this culture. So we're going to have a time of invitation now. And in just a second, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up.
And we're going to sing a song together. And this is an opportunity for you to respond to whatever God has placed on your heart. Maybe you need to be born again. Maybe you know that you've not been saved and you want to come forward and hear about how to do that. We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to just pray with you and show you that pathway to faith in Christ. Or maybe you need to come forward because you need to follow through with believer's baptism or you want to join this church. Or maybe you just need to pray. Whatever you need to do, this is our time to respond to whatever God has placed on our heart. Would you all stand with me now? Heavenly Father, I pray over this time of invitation, this moment of decision. Lord God, I know that your Holy Spirit has been working in our hearts, and so I pray that you give us faith to take that step. Help us to trust you and to do whatever you've called us to do here. Help us not to let this moment pass, but by faith to take a step forward and declare what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray.